Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Capital City Christian Church. My name is Steve. I'm glad to see you. I don't know if you know this, but Morgan over here, two over from me. It's her birthday. Everybody say happy birthday real quick for her. Because we're a family, and that's what we do. Go ahead and stand up. We're going to pray that the Spirit comes into this place, into our hearts, and let's do something amazing today, okay?
Father God, we thank you for this day, for the opportunity to be in this place. And God, we want to feel your presence this morning. We know you're here. God, I'm grateful for those who've come to join us today in this place of worship. And I hope they've come because they want to feel your presence. They want to be touched by you. They want to be moved by you. God, I pray that when we leave this place today, we're closer to you than when we came in. God, we just want you to be lifted up through this day of worship, through this day of praise, and through every day that you give us breath. And it's in the name of your Son and our Savior we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Oh, come on. Surely you can do better than that. Good morning. Glad to see you today. I want to welcome you to Capital City. We're glad you've taken time to come and join us on this day of worship. If you're watching us online this morning, hello to you out there in, in the internet world, wherever you may be. If you're driving, I hope you'll pull over. We don't want to you know, cause any wrecks or anything like that. But again, we're just glad that you're here with us. Uh, if today's your first day with us, uh, we hope that you'll uh, take just a moment. There's a, there's a little welcome card there on the back of that chair in front of you. If you'd grab one of those, fill that out for us. Uh, we sure would appreciate that. We'd love to just get your name and information just so we can provide you some information about Capital City and about some of the ministries that are taking place here at Capital City. You know, I, I love, you know, I'm, I'm into my 34th year here at this church, and I've, I've always loved the opportunity that we've had to do some very extraordinary things here in our community that are going to bless not just our community, but even, even more beyond that. And, man, how exciting was it Friday a week ago when we were able to bring Jesus Prime back? Wasn't that an awesome event that we had here? Uh, Laura Hayden and Mike Napier and their team. I think we had around 100 guests that came out that evening. We just had a wonderful time with them. And uh, those of you who helped with that, whether it was uh, preparing stuff or being here that night, we just want to say thank you. You, you know, I, I know most people leave here that night. We leave here probably blessed more than our guests do. And what a tremendous opportunity it was for us. And, and I hope that you enjoyed that opportunity. And, and we look forward to next year. And, and hopefully uh, getting it back to where it was before COVID hit us and, and being even bigger and better than before. And then uh, yesterday, man, what a great event we had yesterday. We partnered with Crossroads Missions uh, out of Louisville, Kentucky. Hopefully you saw some of that video clips a little bit earlier as we uh, built a home. We built the walls for a home that right now is on its way to Dawson Springs, Kentucky. It's going to go to a family who lost their home in the tornado uh, back in December. And uh, in, in all, just probably over an hour, I think it was about 65 minutes, our team yesterday constructed 54 walls that are going to build, that are going to be for this home. And uh, what a tremendous turnout. I, you know, I didn't get by, Doc gave us a preacher count of 242. Is that what it was, Doc? Something like that yesterday. I think it was closer to about 100, but still, we had a wonderful turnout yesterday. I mean, they told us to plan from 8.30 to noon 
uh, for the build, and we started about 8.40, and at 9.49, I was gathering people up to get a big picture made. And so hopefully you saw that on our Facebook yesterday. If you didn't, jump out to our Facebook post there at Capital City and take a look at what uh, what we did yesterday. Just a tremendous turnout. And so, again, thank you to each of you who helped, who who came and, and helped with that project. And, Josh, uh, we're just going to pray. Uh, I hope you'll join us in praying for that home. Uh, people wrote scriptures on it. They wrote prayers on it, on the wood that we that we put together. And it's going to a home there. We're just going to pray for that family, that, uh, that that'll be a home that, that they'll that God will use for them. Hey, here's what's coming up today. This morning, following our 11 o'clock service, we have our first look lunch. Uh, this is for those who may be new to Capital City, who, who are still trying to figure out who we are, what we're about. And we just want to invite you uh, to stick around. I know that's a little, little maybe you'll have to venture out a little bit, come back. But down, at, down in the gym at 12.15, we have our first look lunch today. And uh, some of our staff will be there. You'll get to hear a little bit about our vision, where we believe God is taking us uh, through the rest of this year and then into next year. We just invite you to come. You didn't have to sign up. You didn't have to bring anything. There's no cost. Uh, just stick around. Join us for dinner uh, downstairs in the gym at 12:15. Okay? We'd love for you to do that and stick around and join us. So, hey, I don't know about you, but I love this time of the year because it's football season. How many football fans we got? Yeah. Okay. I see my my guy Shakur here with his Michigan uh, hoodie on. We we joke back and forth. He and I do about who's the better football team, but. You know, I wear my Carolina. I'm a, I'm a huge Carolina fan, and uh, I'm not I'm not so much. I know I know. Hang on, hang on. Bear with me now, okay? You, you'll probably now. I, I really only cheer for them. I mean, I do cheer for them in football, but when it comes to football, I'm a Notre Dame Notre Dame Fighting Irish football fan. That was who I wanted to be when I grew up as a kid. I wanted to play for Eric Parsegian. But you know, when you think about us, uh, the the fans, you know, sometimes our fans can get crazy, don't you? And when you just think of of what what is a super Fan, what comes to mind for you? You know, is it somebody who who wears the shirt? You know, as uh, when they're out in public. Maybe, maybe you've even got somebody that's got the shoes. Can you see the shoes this morning? Hey, how about them North Carolina shoes? You know, kind of thing. I promise I don't have North Carolina underwear on. Okay, so I won't even bother going there. But you know, maybe you've got a. Maybe you've got. Do you know somebody that's got like they, they've got like their game their game room is nothing but. BBN or Louisville or anybody, anybody know anybody like that? Got a, got a room decorated in their house? Me? No, I'm not. I don't get my, well, my wife wouldn't let me do that, Danny. I wish. But no, she, she cut me off on that. But, you know, but, you know, when you think of a super fan, how many of you would be willing to go this far as a super fan? Check this guy out. How many, anybody willing? Anybody out here? Shakur, you do that? So, I'm not sure anybody would want to do that, would you? Louisville? Oh, Sam Bowden? That's actually Sam, believe it or not. Yeah, Trish got us that picture the other day, sent that to us. So, no, just, just kidding. Now, you know, we, we all love supporting our team, okay? We love, love supporting uh, the team that we root for. But, but have you ever thought about could you, could you pull for a team that you didn't like? You know, it's amazing to me every, every year when North Carolina is going to play basketball, if they're going to play Duke, I always get all these UK fans, man, we're pulling for you tonight. I mean, I really appreciate that. We could use that help, you know. But, but as a fan of a team, I'm a Carolina fan. You're a, you're a BBN fan. You're a Louisville fan. Maybe so. Would you be willing, not because you lost a bet, but would you be willing to put on the apparel of another team? Any BBN fans in here be willing to put on the Louisville hat this morning? Got one here? So, yeah, got another there? So, unfortunately, somebody caught me. A few years ago, that is me, believe it or not, going into Rupp Arena with my wife and daughters to watch UK play. They were not playing Carolina, by the way, that night. So 
But they caught me, uh, somebody caught me going in wearing a U- UK uh, little pullover. And, of course, I did that for, for my wife, who's a UK graduate. Both of my daughters have now graduated from UK. And uh, so I guess, in a way, I support UK from that standpoint. But, you know, not, not really. But you know, when, you, when you think about it, you know, are you willing, would you be willing to, to put on the attire of a team that you despise the most? Now, I think we can all agree with this statement this morning, whether you're a BBN fan, you're a Louisville fan, you're a Carolina fan, we all hate Duke. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even God hates Duke, I believe. I really believe that. I, I really do. I really believe, I really believe he does. So, Jordan Hall's not here this morning. I get away with saying that today, so. But how about this? You know, when, when, when we have differences in teams, when we have differences with friends, can we still love each other? You know, that's the one thing I, I love about being here. You know, you guys know I'm a Carolina fan. You've known that since the day I came here, but yet I, I think you still love me. <laughs> I hope you still love me. And you know what? I love you guys, and I love what we're doing here, what God is doing in us here. You know, these words we find in the book of John, he tells us that we are to love. You know, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you are to love everyone. Doesn't matter if they wear North Carolina blue or Kentucky blue or Duke blue or Louisville red. You're to love everyone. It doesn't matter if they're on the right side of the politic line or they're on the left side of the politic line or they're right down the middle of the politic line. It says you're to love everyone. Remember that song we used to sing? They will know we are Christians by our what? By our love. Almost fell off there. They will know we are Christians by our love. Make people see that in us. Put aside our differences. Put aside the things that we don't agree on and just let people see how much we love them because he loved us first. Let's continue to worship. Fragrance of hell. 
can all benefit from it. Jesus commands us to love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Father, we give you our hearts again. And even if we did it many, many years before, we come to you to this place today. And we say, take us, use us, mold us, make us into something better than we could be on our own. So take these hearts so that we can be a light to this world. So many friends and family members, people that we love who are in darkness. But let us teach you how to love. Hold you. They all told me for you. The silence of of sin and rain. The heavens are roaring. The flames of your glory. Oh, you are secret saying we wear the name of Jesus Christ out in this world if they know that we are Christians they're gonna know that we are people of love this is something that we want to make sure that we get through in, in all of our hearts today so we can hear these words and it's something that we will remember not just here right now when we're surrounded by these Christians around us but out in the world so that they can see us. let's listen to these words once again Jesus gave us a new commandment love each other just as I have loved you you should love each other your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. 
And we will keep saying it over and over and over again. The reason why we will is because Jesus said it over and over and over again. This world needs to see that we love each other. This world needs to see that we are his disciples, and that's the way that we prove it, that we love every person that is in this room, every Christian that's out there, and it will draw people to the Lord. We're about to go into a time where we will remember what Jesus Christ has done and his sacrifice, his love, his, his example of love is what we want to make sure that we remember. When he, right before he was killed on a cross, he established this service, what we're going to be doing today. It's something that we do every time we come together. And he said, remember, when you get together, remember that I did this for you. Remember what happened so that you can always be reminded of the true type of sacrificial love that I'm looking for. Give yourself entirely. And so when we take the bread, we're going to remember that his body was broken for us. And we drink the juice. It's a reminder that his blood was shed. If this is your home, this place is your home, and you want to give an offering, this is also the time that we're going to do it. In a few moments, you'll stand back up, and you're going to go around to the tables. You get a chance to be able to give your offering at that point. If you have a couple extra dollars, you'd notice that we, we, we want to help our community. And so beyond just a regular offering, if you have something outside of that that you want to give to people in need in the community, we're going to have the generous buckets that are each of the stations as well. They're white, and the black box is there for the offering. So go ahead and stand up right now, and if you would, go to the stations, and just be reminded of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial love. First of all, it happened slowly as the Christian foundations that underpinned our Western society were replaced over a couple of centuries. Today's vision of human flourishing is antithetical to the gospel. Meaning, purpose, identity, these things are no longer found in God or community or even in living virtuously, but through a radically autonomous life. You want to be authentic? Then search within yourself and sex and gender are at the forefront of that search in our culture today. Now this is coming for us, whether we're ready for it or not, uh, whether it's Office Pride Day or uh, schools promoting gender diversity in the classroom or professional bodies requiring sign off on uh, certain sets of beliefs around sex and gender, these things will hunt us down. 
Now, Netflix and other media will beguile us with culture. The state will bully us with legislation. Most painfully, it will probably crop up at the dinner table some stage or a family barbecue. We may even start to self-censor our own views to keep the peace and, and sort of ensure that we don't lose friends or, or get scorched on social media, that seems to happen. Now, there is a way forward though. God's people have an amazing opportunity to model a different way of living, a solid way of a deeper, richer, and more life-giving identity than what our society is able to offer us. Jesus is our King. He shapes our identity. More than that, He gives us hope. Scripture shows that when God's people are faithful to Him, the world might scorn, but it is also drawn. It's drawn to us and drawn to Jesus. As my book explains, we don't need to win all of the skirmishes in the courts, in politics, in culture, or even just on Twitter. Our King has won the battle that counts, and His assured victory gives us hope, joy, and love in an increasingly hopeless, joyless, and loveless world. Let's bow our heads together. Well, Father, may the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you. Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in the name of Christ we pray, amen. Guys, that geeky-looking dude is Stephen McAlpin. He wrote the book, Being the Bad Guys, How to Live for Jesus in a World that Says You Shouldn't. Now, he's kind of weird-looking, although he does have great hair, doesn't he? And he really doesn't know what to do with his hands when he's talking. But he wrote a pretty good book. In fact, we stole the title for this series from his book, along with some of the big ideas that we're going to be unpacking. Bottom line, guys, we are living in a culture where we are no longer the good guys. Now, we used to be the good guys for a while, and then in a blink of time, we kind of became the bad guys. A whole lot of people out there think we Jesus followers are the problem, not the solution. That shouldn't bother us. Shouldn't worry us, shouldn't scare us. We've been the bad guys before. In fact, Jesus predicted that we would be called the bad guys. We talked about that last week. Jesus told us that following Him would not be easy in this world. He warned us that actually following Him would make life a lot, whole lot harder in this world. But it's worth it. Now, do you believe that it's worth it? Last week, I sketched out four different ways that we Jesus followers have responded to a hostile world. Sometimes we just hide, right? We withdraw, build walls, shut out the world as best we can. That strategy never works too well. Sometimes we go to war, we fight. I mean, there were laws that used to protect us, right? Well, let's go get those laws back. Let's oust the people who are dissing us. Let's elect some people who support our agenda. We use politics as our tool. That doesn't work so well either. Sometimes we compromise. We rewrite our gospel so that it's less offensive in their eyes, which in my mind is kind of like giving someone who is dying candy when they need some serious meds. Option number four, Jesus said, you guys are the salt of the earth. You guys are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. So you have to show them a better way to live. You have to show them what a God-honoring life looks like, the kind of life, guys, that every single one of us was born for. And that's where we're going to 
in the next couple of weeks, we're going to try to unpack that idea. What does a God-honoring life look like? How is it different? How are we going to look different? Because, guys, we are going to look a little weird when we actually try to do life with God, for God, God's way. Last Sunday, I read an article by a guy named David French, pretty sharp guy. He titled it, Christian Political Ethics Are Upside Down, because we're adamant about politics and we're flexible about virtue. And it kind of got me thinking, these are crazy times, guys. I mean, we're fighting over so many things. We take sides from which we vilify and cancel each other. We've kind of let that whole notion of let's agree to disagree just go by the wind. I mean, even Jesus followers, right? Instead of magnanimity and grace, polarization and vitriol seem like they become our default. It's almost a game. But guys, it is evil. It is not God-honoring. Do you buy that? We mock, we fight, we vilify those who disagree with us, whether it's pandemic, masks. I mean, even Fauci stepping down last week, some praising him as an angel from heaven, others as a demon from hell, almost nothing in between, right? Fighting over gay marriage a few years ago seems almost passe now. Now it's fight over gender, transgender. It's rolling into our schools. Where do parents fit in, determining what ought to be taught their kids? Is it really education or is it indoctrination? What's happening to the First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, the freedom to disagree? And it's almost like do unto others before they do unto you, right? Somewhere along the line, we seem to have deemed the golden rule as quaint. And one time, Jesus identified the big two. You get these two right, he says, and about everything else falls into line. Number one, love God with everything you've got. And number two, love your neighbor as yourself. Wouldn't that be cool? And we struggle with both, don't we? I mean, imagine what it would look like if those who are fighting wars over racism, diversity, and equity actually put their words and their actions through the filters of loving God with all you've got and loving your neighbor as yourself. How different would those debates be? Imagine applying these filters to politics, politicians, politicos, who seem to think that casting a positive vision is not nearly as important as mocking and taunting and undermining those who disagree. Our culture is becoming hateful, guys, and it's sucking us in. Newscasters, cherry pick, spin, polarize. Can you imagine what would it look like if CNN and Fox tried some loving God with all you've got and loving your neighbor as yourself? But it wouldn't sell, would it? Or the role of government, limits of personal freedom, gun wars, immigration wars, climate wars, abortion wars. How would a little loving God with all you've got and loving your neighbors yourself change the tone of those wars? Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Twitter. Doesn't it seem like sometimes that those who are meanest rule? 
What would it look like if God came down and imposed those two filters on whatever made it online? Love God with all you've got and love your neighbors yourself. A whole lot of what's put on those social media sites would just be gone, wouldn't it? Now, I know that we cannot impose the rules of doing life God's way on those who are not Jesus followers. But guys, here it is. Too often we Jesus followers think that we can bypass those rules too if we're passionate about some cause. Bottom line, too often we Jesus followers are not the influencers, we're the influencees. If it's our job to be the salt of the earth, we're supposed to show them a different way. If it's our job to be the light of the world, we're supposed to, we're, we need to be pointing them a different direction. But, David French says, sometimes it seems like we Jesus followers are more passionate for our this world causes than for our kingdom of God causes. Are you? He says, we Jesus followers of every political stripe are often more passionate about our politics than we are about our character. We're adamant on politics and flexible on virtue. And guys, that is sin. He quotes Micah 6.8, one of the great passages in the Old Covenant. Micah the prophet says, what does God require of you? Act justly, we love justice, to love mercy, we don't like that one quite as much, and to walk humbly with our God, which would require dethroning the self. To do what's just and to show constant love. That's how the Good News Bible translates it. Now, which, which of those two is more important? I'm serious. Which is more important? Can you sacrifice one for the other? Or maybe I should put it like this. If I'm taking a stand for justice, do I still have to show constant love? If I'm taking a stand for justice, can't I mock and demean and undermine and cancel somebody if that's what it takes for justice to win? Can I vilify those who are standing in the way of justice? Can't I question their faith in God if they're standing in the way of what I believe is just and right? See, it's kind of like we're elevating doing what we think is just over the top of showing constant love. And that's wrong. Neither one is negotiable. And I know some Jesus followers are kind of like, well, we tried decency and it didn't work, so it's time for a street fight. We tried kindness and kindness didn't work, so now it's time to get down and dirty, right? Well, no. Heck no. We're not supposed to be loving until loving doesn't work. We're not supposed to show kindness until kindness doesn't work. We don't sacrifice the fruit of the Spirit when they become inconvenient. You know, stuff like love and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. Those things are not as-needed virtues. This guy, David French, says, no political emergency will ever depart, justify a departure from our core values. And he's right. 
I think the Apostle Paul would say he's right too. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. He says, so that no one ever pays back wrong for wrong, but at all times make it your aim to do good to one another and to all people. And there's no exception clauses. You see, guys, Jesus just kept on raising the bar. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. That's a pretty high bar. Can you imagine the difference that just that one would make? And then Jesus raises it even higher. He says, you've got to love the Lord your God with everything you've got, and you've got to love your neighbor as yourself. That's even higher, right? But we push back. We're like, well, who's my neighbor? He's not my neighbor if he's a jerk, is he? Or I guess I can love my neighbor as long as I get to define what that love is going to look like. Maybe I'm going to show my kind of love, a little tough love, right? And then Jesus raises the bar even higher than that. I'm going to take you through a couple of things that Jesus said on the night before that killed him where he kind of redefines what real love is, God's way. He raises the bar really, really high. And then I'm going to take you to an application of that higher kind of love that will blow your minds and it will blow theirs even more. You see, Jesus kept hammering on this love, a different kind of love, a purer, more powerful kind of love. This is a God kind of love. Here it is, right before Jesus got himself crucified, because he is the one who forced it. He washed his disciples' feet. That was extraordinary. What he says next, I think, was even more extraordinary. It would blow their minds even more than washing their feet. Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Here it is. I want you guys to love each other. And they're probably like... Jesus, that really isn't new. It's in the Scriptures. You've been harping on it for three years. In fact, you identified it as one of those big two, right? And then Jesus adds this. Here it is, guys. He says, In the same way I have loved you, just as I have loved you with my kind of love, not the kind of cheap love that you guys play with. As I have loved you, that's how I want you to love each other. Jesus said, it's not about you guys. They need to see something different in us than the pale imitations of love that they are obsessed with. It's going to be the kind of selfless love that stands out, that dances, that goes way beyond what others are practicing. Two chapters later, he says it again. He says, this is my commandment. I'm going to say it again, guys. I don't want you to miss this. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Yeah, Jesus, you already told us that. And Jesus says something like, do you really? You guys have no clue. I'm going to show you the kind of love that I'm talking about. And he goes on to say this. He says there's no greater love than to lay down his, one's life for his friends. The kind of love that is completely selfless. And they couldn't understand this yet because they didn't know what Jesus was going to do for them the next day on a cross. They didn't understand how selfless and unconditional a God kind of love is. Do you? Five verses later, third time, Jesus says it again. 
And listen, guys, if a guy who is about to die tells you something three times, he wants you to get it. You guys need to hear this. Verse 17, Jesus says, this is my command. It's not an option, guys. This is not negotiable. Love each other. It's kind of like he stands before us, looks around the room, looks straight into your eyes, and he just keeps saying it over and over again. I want you guys to love each other my way. I'm serious. I want you guys to show them the kind of love that's just going to blow their minds. I'm not kidding around, guys. If you're a Jesus follower, you're going to show them my kind of love. So, what's so different about it? What's a God kind of love look like? Because it is very different. I'm going to start with some basics, then I'm going to dig just a little tiny bit deeper. Listen, guys, a God kind of love is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not some kind of a passion that overwhelms you and then takes your freedom away to choose. I mean, out there, they're kind of saying stuff like you fall in love or you fall out of love. It's something that just happens to you, right? Love is love. You've got to follow your heart, right? No. Not with this God kind of love. We'll get there. And a God kind of love, listen, is not about liking someone or something. Did you know that you can, you can love someone deeply when you don't like them much? I mean, just ask any honest parent, right? Moms, dads, you love your kids when you don't like them? You know what I'm talking about. I mean, kids are barbarians, right? And we still love them. If we didn't love them, we'd kill them, and it'd be legal. And a God kind of love never, ever, ever winks at or enables sin or wrong. A God kind of love never, ever, ever winks at or enables sin or wrong. I mean, the lesser kind of loves that people are playing with, let their love lead them into sin. But a God kind of love never winks at sin. It never enables sin against God. In fact, tolerating sin, doing sin, enabling sin is the opposite of real love. You're not loving someone if you're leading them into or tolerating their sin. We don't get that. And a God kind of love can never be sacrificed for a greater cause. We Jesus followers will never set aside love in the cause of justice. Well, if that's what a God kind of love is not, what is it? It's a choice. It's a commitment. You can choose to love even when you don't want to. Did you know that? You can choose to love someone even when you don't like them. You don't just fall out of love. You choose to stop loving so you can't command someone to feel something, but God commands us to love. That means it's a choice. Have you ever heard someone say something stupid like, well, I just don't love them anymore? I just don't love her anymore? Technical word for that is poppycock. It just means they've stopped choosing love. Because love is a passionate commitment to work for someone else's good. It's not about me anymore. It's about them. What's good for them? 
And I'm not talking about what's good in their eyes, and I'm not talking about what's good in my eyes. I'm talking about what's good in God's eyes. You see, I can choose to work for God's good in someone even when I don't like them much. And even if it costs me a lot, because a God kind of love is selfless. It's sacrificial. It's not about what I get out of it. It's about loving God and someone else that God loves, someone Jesus died for. In fact, in my eyes, one of the most powerful passages in the whole Bible is in Romans chapter 9. The Apostle Paul is talking about his Jewish brothers and sisters who've been pushing Jesus away. In fact, they've been making his life hellish. And here's what Paul says about them. He says, with Christ as my witness... I'm speaking with utter truthfulness. I'm not lying. I'm not exaggerating. He says, my conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. God is my witness. He says, my heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. It's breaking my heart, he says. And then he says this, and here it is. He says, I would be willing to be forever cursed. I would be willing to be cut off from Christ if that would save him. And he means it. Basically, he's saying this, guys. He says, I'd be willing to go to hell in their place if I could. Is there anybody that you love that much that you'd go to hell in their place if that would save them? It's powerful. No expectation of return. Even if they never love me back, I'm not going to quit loving them. That's the way God loves you. It's the way he expects us to try to love. It's a God-sized love. And love like that will make this a weirdly healing place. As I have loved you, Jesus said, with my kind of love. You see, our kind of love responds. Ours is a response kind of love. We love people when they're lovable. We love them when they love us first. We love them when they're attractive. We love them, love them when they're worth it or they earn it. We love people who agree with us, right? We respond with love. And because our love is a response, it's discriminatory. We choose to love some and others we don't. If you're not lovable, not attractive, if you don't like me, then I can choose not to love you. I discriminate. Ours tends to be a receiving kind of love. I'll keep loving you if you start loving me back. If you keep meeting my needs, giving me strokes, stirring feelings of love in me, I'll keep loving you back. But if you don't give me something back, our kind of love fades. So our kind of love is conditional. It's provisional. We love them if they love us back, but if they stop loving us back, a divorce is coming right? And our kind of love flows around weaknesses. We tolerate their weaknesses to a point, but if they mess up too much, especially if they hurt me or mine, love dies, our kind of love. God's kind of love, holy cow. See, God's kind of love doesn't respond. It initiates. God does not love me because of what he sees in me. He loves me because of what's in him. He doesn't love you because you're so good. He loves you because he's so good. Because God is love, and it's who he is and what he does. 
And Jesus says, you guys do it that way too. So God's kind of love is indiscriminate. He doesn't parcel it out to a few, those that he finds lovable perhaps. God is absurdly careless with his love. He's crazy lavish with his love. It doesn't matter how old you are, what color you are, how pretty you are, how rich you are, how nice you are, how you vote. He loves you. And Jesus says, you guys do it that way too. God's kind of love is about giving, not receiving. I know God loves to be loved back, but here's the deal. God won't stop loving you if you don't love him back. He won't stop loving you if you don't change into the kind of person that he wants you to be. He still sacrifices himself for us and graces us lavishly. And Jesus says, you guys do it that way too. Which means that God's kind of love is unconditional. No conditions. No hoops that you have to jump through to earn it. And God's kind of love doesn't flow around our weakness. It flows straight to them. God's kind of love is never choked out by our failures and flaws and sins. His love flows straight to them to confront them and to heal them if he can. Guys, think about it. How would a God kind of love change our life, your family, your friendships, your church, your community? What if instead of loving only those who are lovable and attractive and worthy, what if we actually tried loving people who are hard to love because of who we are, not because of who they are? What if our love is flat out indiscriminate? We don't parcel it out to a few people who look like us, think like us, act like us. I mean, people with special needs, people of a different color, people of a different cause, people who vote differently than we do, people who have different ideas about gender and sexuality. What if we were crazy careless with our love while never compromising on God's truth? What if, what if our love was more about giving than receiving? What if we just kept on loving even if they never loved us back? Kind of like Jesus did, right? An unconditional love, not provisional. A love that is robust and strong, not fragile. What if instead of focusing on their weaknesses, we focused on our own? A love that flows right to their weaknesses, never choked out by their flaws, their failures, and their sins. And here it is, guys. This is where Jesus raises the bar almost impossibly high. (laughs) See, Jesus doesn't want us to reserve this God kind of love only for our one another's. I'm going to read you some of the toughest words in the Bible, and I think Jesus means them. Jesus says, I even want you to love your enemies. I even want you to pray for those who persecute you, not at them but for them. He says, in that way, you'll be acting like true children of your Father in heaven. Because he says, if you're only kind to your friends, how are you different than anybody else? Even the pagans do that. But you're to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. (laughs) A God kind of love, indiscriminate, unconditional, 
never choked out by their weaknesses or their sins. <laughs> Flat out hard. Nearly impossible without God's help. But Jesus is serious, guys. Remember those words we looked at a few minutes ago? Our worship team read them a couple of times. Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. And he goes on to say this. He says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. By what? By what we believe? They're going to know we're his Jesus followers by what we believe, by our theological correctness, by our adherence to God's truth. Is that how they're going to know we're Jesus followers, by what we believe? By what we stand against? That's how they know we're going to be Jesus followers, how strong and fiercely we stand against the gay agenda or abortion or kicking God out of the public square by how we vote. Is that how they're going to know we're Jesus followers? By our religiosity? That's how they're going to know we're our Jesus followers, how, how often we go to church, by the prayers that we pray at Cracker Barrel, by the Bibles that we keep on our desks at work, by the KD 24-7 stickers on our windshields. Is that how they're going to know we're Jesus followers? By our personal morality? That's how they're going to know we're our Jesus followers, by how we behave, because we don't drink, we don't cuss, we don't chew, we don't run with girls who do, Right? Is that how they're going to know we're Jesus followers? No. Here's what he says. By this, everyone will know that you're my follower, that you're a Jesus follower, if you love one another my way. With that weird, weird God kind of love. That's going to dance. That's going to set us apart in a world where that kind of love is nearly, maybe entirely impossible. Can they tell that we here at Cap City are Jesus followers by how we love each other? Can they tell that we are Jesus followers by how we love them? Here it is, guys. You believe this stuff? You believe it? Do you believe that a God kind of love is better, stronger, pure than the pale limitations of love that our culture is obsessed with? Do you trust God? Do you trust that he's smarter than we are, that he's wiser than we are, that he has our best interests at heart when he says something like this? You know intuitively it's the right thing to do. I, I believe that the Holy Spirit is nudging you, confirming you that it is the right thing to do. Are you willing to do the right thing even when you don't want to? Because it's God's way. Because, guys, it's a matter of the will, isn't it? Obedience, faithfulness, surrendering ourselves to God, letting God be God. Just do it, guys. When it's really, really hard, pray for the strength not to hate. And then do what's right. Just do what's good. Do whatever reflects both God's grace and God's truth. Because it is going to take us help, guys. You willing to give it a shot? Can you imagine the transformative power that this kind of a love, what it will do to your homes, your schools, our church, at work, in our community? You're the salt of the earth. 
You're the light of the world. So we got to get it done, right? Guys, in a minute, we're going to sing a song. During this time, if you want to talk about making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've got to start there. I'm going to sit right down here. Just come on down during the song, and we'll talk. If you want to make Capital City your home, come on down, and let's chat about it, right? Let's get it done. And guys, if you've got some praying to do because you haven't been living out this love stuff, make it right with God. Give them your apologies and tell them you're going to do your best, right? Guys, we're going to stand and sing a song right now. It's a song of praise to our God, an amazingly loving God. Let's give him the praise that he deserves.
sending Jesus Christ to this earth to be a light for me, a light the rest of this world. And I know how it's a responsibility to be a light to everyone that can see me in the way that I interact with the people that are in my life. Teach me, Father, every day to love like Jesus loved. Teach me to love people who are not very lovable to me. Teach us all, Father to be an example to the rest of this world so that we can prove that we are your disciples. We thank you for Jesus Christ, and it's his name that we pray. Amen. We're so glad you chose to be here today. Go and love people the way that we should, okay? Mm-hmm.